Hi and welcome everyone to the 120th episode and the last episode in 2022 of CM Rocks. Today we have Jason Gumpert from MS Dynamics World with us to talk about the state of Dynamics Serum in 2022. But first, hello Heidi, the Mrs. Klaus Newhauser. How are you today? Good, how are you doing? Or should yeah, I say ho, just... ho, ho, hi. <laughs> yeah, do you want to share your passion for making Mrs. Claus? <laughs> My passion for making Mrs. Claus? I I went to a little workshop to make little Mrs. Claus figurines with my mom. There's a, a local place in Chalfont, Pennsylvania called Buyer's Choice. Um, and we made a Mrs. Claus. And I made my Mrs. Claus rather youthful with some leopard print. It was before she became Mrs. Claus. It's very yeah. fun. <laughs> What's uh, your connection and your uh, news on Power Automate? So we're recording this a little bit early. There have been 10 new Power Automate connectors that were released this week, which is a lot. And I'm actually in the middle of tagging all of them and understanding what they do. My favorite one that I found in this current batch is called Absentify. Now, I find this really interesting because it's a completely free product, which you don't see very often, right? You need to pay for the software service and then you can use their connector. But this is for HR and specifically for managing your employee time off requests. So I thought this was really neat because I think of a couple use cases immediately from it. So when an employee submits a request for a time off, maybe you can send an approval to their manager using the approvals and then just continue to automate different things. So once it's approved, let's add it to update my Outlook calendar. Let's post in the Teams channel and keep doing all this other stuff. Sorry if you can hear my dog. Kids are home from school. I don't think I hear it. Very exciting. Oh, cool. Good headphones. So I really like Absentify. I'm giving it 4.5 out of 5 stars. I'm only docking it half a star because they don't have good documentation on their website. But otherwise, this one's pretty cool. Yeah, the dog is there. (laughs) We we heard the dog. But um, let's introduce Jason. You've probably heard them here already. So Jason is the editor and co-founder of MS Dynamics World. They're an independent publication focused on Microsoft Dynamics and the Power Platform ecosystem. Before that, he spent 10 years working in various consulting development and other service roles in the enterprise software world. Welcome, Jason Gumpert. Hey, thank you for having me. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing pretty well. I'm back in the uh, home office after some travel. Um, and uh, yeah, sort of back into the swing of things. Yeah. So as a, both an editor and co-founder of MS Dynamics World, what is it that you do? Uh, great question. Um, nominally, I'm the editor. So I'm um, I'm working on both writing articles and editing um, writing that other people submit to us. And that is a big a big chunk of what I do in in reality. Um, so um, probably I like the editing a little bit more than than the writing, but I do a bit of both. And um, when I'm not doing that, um, you know, as uh, one of the co owners of the of the business behind it, I'm doing other things, as you can imagine, you know, marketing and operational stuff and strategizing, um, all those things that keep us running. So. Um, that's, and, and, you know, just generally trying to pay attention to what's going on in the, in the Microsoft channel, cause we're really fully focused on, on biz apps. So dynamics, power platform, as well as, um, you know, what's going on with Azure as well. 
I've written a few articles for MS Dynamics World. Absolutely. Jason is an excellent editor. He's very awesome oh, to work thank with. Thank you. Yeah, I try to keep up with just the customer engagement part, and that's way too much for me personally. So I don't envy you trying to sort of have all the Dynamics platforms to try to keep up with. Yeah, I have to be selective, honestly. Like you said, I mean, just trying to keep up with, I, I pulled a bunch of recent, just recent blog posts that the Microsoft CE team has posted in recent days or last couple of weeks. And it's just like so many different kinds of updates. Some of them are very sort of specific feature changes. And some of them are like, the or, you know, these broad, new, sort of highly strategically focused um you know, capabilities and everything in between uh, to keep up with all of it. It's like one of the things I have to decide is like, should we be reporting on or writing up something? Is it worth an article or is it just something that gets added to the, you know, added to the code base and, and not, not worth, you know, paying that close of attention to. Um, so that's, that's, I'm constantly worrying about that. Um, as I sort of look through a lot of the same, you know, release notes and updates and announcements. We're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? Hmm. Last memorable customer experience. Um, I, you know, I'll just go to my flight that I just took. Um, I thought it was on, it was, I was coming, I, I was, I was going to Germany and then back here to the U S. Um, and I thought Lufthansa did a pretty good job with, um, you know, keeping me updated when they did have to make changes. I think they changed their their airplane that they were going to use for one leg of the fl- of the trip, and they got me pretty good, um, you know, pretty good alerts. So I knew it was going on all the time. So and, and I didn't have to make any calls or anything. It just they changed my seats and they let me know what was happening, and it was pretty uh, pretty painless. So I, I'd, I'd point to that maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's nice when it's even if there are changes, it's just like okay feeling calm, mm-hmm. no, no worries. That's good. So in recent times, Microsoft has talked a lot about managing the environments in Power Platform, uh, so making it easier to govern those. How do you see these changes? I do think governance is one of the big stories of Power Platform overall in terms of, well, I mean, clearly they're, they're putting quite a bit of emphasis on the on building out those tools and trying to emphasize that, that people use them. But I think just being able to talk about governance and make customers, Microsoft customers overall, not those who just have Power Platform today, but those who I think they hope will invest in it in the future, feel comfortable knowing that they can make that a big part of um, of, of their you know IT strategy. So you know, low code, no code. There are a lot of options out there. Um, there's other big competitors to Microsoft in that space. Um, and then there are also quite a few, you know, venture funded startups trying to make an impact on low code, no code. So Microsoft has to have a good story there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, almost every case study that Microsoft has about Power, Power Platform at some point has to focus on the governance element of it because you just can't do that much you can't take it that far, right? If you don't have governance, like any software story, I suppose. Um, but it's just that much more tr- tricky because they want it to be sort of broad-based. Um, they want it to be something that, uh, you know, power you, uh, uh, business people with good business knowledge, but not technical knowledge can do. And it, as you both know, that, that can't work <laughs> without really careful guardrails. Um, and it certainly can't scale um, or be disastrous in most, most cases. So, um, yeah, I think that's just, uh, absolutely critical to their story. And that's why you keep seeing so much talk about it when Microsoft presents their sort of grand vision for power platform. 
Yeah, I think it is super important now more than ever with so many citizen developers to make sure you really have a handle on the governance that's happening in your environment. I think it also gets to cost. Um, you know, that's one of the most confusing parts of Power Platform, right, is how you manage license costs and keep those, understand them and keep them under control. So I think that probably folds into it too, to some extent. I don't know, maybe you've had had com real conversations with customers about that. I, I've just heard sort of that mentioned as, as a concern um, from time to time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Microsoft likes to keep us on our toes with that, changing the licensing costs and what's covered. And, mm -hmm. yeah. The other thing I've, I've been trying to learn more about is what the real sort of story around technical debt is with Power Platform. I think it's very it's a very real, you know, you can still only, it might be easier to build the apps um, through through Power Platform, but you're still going to have, you know, all apps have a life cycle, right? So, and, and, and even Microsoft said they expect a power app is going to have a shorter life cycle than a, a CRM, a full, full, fully baked CRM system, right? So um, having a good story to not be helping IT govern so that they don't end up with all that technical debt, that seems to be a big part of the challenge. Um, so you don't end up with com companies that end up just like kind of grinding to a halt with their, with their app development because they are just trying to keep too many things alive. So do you think this governance is coming from the customer advisory team, the PowerCat team? Mm, um, I don't know. I, I don't think so, but I think it's all the, I think it comes all the way from the top of the, of the business applications executive team. I mean, I, I know just thinking back, I, I'm sure I've heard Charles Lamana talk about, you know, centers of excellence and, and governance from as early as I can think of in, in Power Platform's life. So I think it really just comes all the way from the top. But I would guess the PowerCat team from the, the people I do know who, who are a part of that you know, are, are very smart and ha probably have very good insights on, on how best to, to make it work in many cases. I'm sure you've you probably had some of them on your on the podcast, right? Yeah, we've had, had Phil Topness on from mm -hmm. the uh, CAT team. So um, to talk a little bit about the center of excellence. So yeah, that's why I was thinking perhaps it's from that sort of realm where, well, we have a lot of environments that we didn't realize that we have. And now we're like, okay, we have to take care of this now. I'd have to think uh, it, so, sorry, I, I'd, I'd have to think it, it, they started prioritizing it pretty early because I remember fairly early in the Power Platform days, I'm thinking pre, a pre-pandemic, um, you know, conference or maybe a few conferences in like 2018, 2019, where Microsoft had some of its first sort of big Power Platform customers and governance was already like right at the top of the list. It was like an energy company and I don't know if it was a consumer packaged goods or a, or a someone like a like a major food brand or something like that, um, you know, talking about how they were trying to scale it very, very quickly. And they had their own sort of governance. Um, they had, you know, big, you know, uh, mature IT departments with lots of process and lots of layers of control. So they were able to sort of make that work. But I think the the message was pretty clear. Like if you don't have an IT department with that kind of sort of highly mature governance and management oversight, these kind the kinds of things they were achieving would not have been possible. So I think that was already yeah. sort of top of mind for Microsoft back in 2018. And we can't make make that expectation from customer if we want this to be a really broad and very used platform. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's it's a good thing they're 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 introducing this managed environment and making it easy to take control of them. Yeah, and that to me, I mean, one of the areas that I have a bit of a uh, 
less insight into is is on the development side with Power Platform. I, I tend to lose track a bit on sort of what the latest development advances are. Um, managed environments is kind of the, getting my outer limits of understanding. Um, but I would I would say yeah, they uh, those kinds of uh, advances have to kind of move ahead in in step with each other, I guess, so that no one gets left behind, which just adds to the challenge. Dynamics in the Dynamics release notes that comes twice a year. Uh, Dynamics marketing has been the first one to be mentioned for years, and it seems to be getting most of the new features. Uh, do you hear a lot about uh, Dynamics marketing? I don't hear a lot about Dynamics marketing. I do see that they're putting a lot of feet. They they do seem to be you know very consistently and and aggressively improving it. Um, but I don't know how much that's translating into the customer base. Um, I think some MVPs have done great work too, um, you know, sort of writing about what's possible with, with marketing and, uh, the product team at Microsoft seems to be quite dedicated to it, but yeah, I don't, I don't see too many, um, and I haven't heard like anecdotally people speak really, really highly of it in comparison to all the competitors that are out there in the world. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, I agree with you that, that it seems to be getting investment, but I don't know how it's doing. Do, do you have any, um, either of you have any, uh, view? Um, we have a lot of com, um, customers on it and we certainly have a lot of requests on dynamics marketing moving over from other systems when they're sort of, um, aging out or they're not really taking care of that and they want to, re-emphasize on their own marketing uh, efforts and they sort of have the energy to okay let's take some big steps back and really see what are we using and so then dynamics marketing comes into play mm -hmm. i've seen more people evaluating i mean to get product specific click dimensions versus dynamics for marketing because i think they used to be really similar but dynamics for marketing has good done a good job of di differentiating themselves where i think they're trying to compete more with like hubspot solutions versus click dimensions um so it's been interesting to see kind of that transition but i've only done one implementation for dynamics for marketing I've done a lot more for I don't know. My early yeah. recollection was that it was really, it seemed to be focused on, on B2C um, early on. And that, that seems to be sort of the, I don't know, is that, is that true? Like only focused more on, on B2C than B2B or maybe the, maybe the opposite. I think you could definitely do both now. I'm not sure how it, it was first positioned. Yeah, mm -hmm. perhaps it was more focused on that in the beginning, but now they've changed some things over from what they called outbound to real time. And I'm not a mm -hmm. real expert on dynamics marketing. Um, so I, the whole, I would say it's possible. Possibilities, yeah. really neat yeah. possibilities, yeah. but it's also a lot more cumbersome to configure mm. than some of the other marketing solutions yeah. it also just you know um they should have done it five years earlier you know um honestly <laughs> um and so i feel like that's just one of the challenges maybe one reason i don't know how how it's doing with clients is um that it felt like a real gold rush five years earlier maybe eight years earlier um with with marketing automation solutions and you know the, a, a whole bunch of them really battled it out for for market share and only a few still only mm -hmm. a few are still out there sort of um fighting i would say that that I have visibility into, like you mentioned, click dimensions um, yeah. and uh, influence HubSpot, you know, uh, and others. But. The first one I configured in 
Microsoft CRM was Exact Target. Do you remember when mm-hmm. that was the in-app solution and then it was bought by Salesforce? Yeah, yeah. Felt like it changed all the time, right? You'd invest all this time to learn this tool and this platform and then it would just go away and then something came back. So hopefully Dynamic for Marketing is here to stay. I don't know what it was built on originally or who they acquired to actually get it going, but it seems interesting. I mean, if you told me it was just natively built on Dataverse, I would probably believe you because I don't think they got anything at least I don't know of anything meaningful that came out of their mar- marketing resource management. Mm. Um, well, accident. you would know more than me, so I'll take your word for that. <laughs> I still remember the sort of quick campaign and the campaign from like the old Microsoft CRMs. So it's a lot better now, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Quick campaign and campaign are still there. They're still there. <laughs> So Microsoft introduced this digital contact center platform earlier this year. What do you think about it? Um, it seems to be the start of something because uh, I, I thought of it this week when I was looking at the supply chain supply chain platform that was just that was just announced, and it's like another. There's just I see a lot of parallels to it because the digital contact center platform. Um, you know, I first saw it and I was like, what is this? Is this a new, have they developed a new, new product or um, what are we really talking about here? And, and as I learned more about it, you know, it was really a, a more or less, a, it's a way to configure, sort of bring together other other Microsoft technology into, in a, I assume, a meaningful way and in a way that doesn't force you to start from scratch, right? If you're, if you're looking for contact center capabilities um, or to sort of unify what you already have, even if it's third party. So, um um, you know, I just I don't know exactly what to think about it. To me, on the one hand, I think, boy, this is only going to be relevant to big organizations with big, you know, big high budget contact center um, investments already, and and they're looking to because I know that that's a that's a big business in in one sort of corner of the CRM world is these as contact center and Microsoft's always had right they've always had um, you know platforms or, or or places where you can build out the specific contact center needs of an organization. Um, so on the one hand, I just think it's more of that and it's going to be that niche thing, that niche, very expensive niche of, uh, of contact center business. And on the other hand, I think maybe it does bring more of the advanced contact center capabilities to the mid-market um, as well. But I, I just don't know. Um, it doesn't really change a lot because of the products that are already in play with it. So it's not like a customer insights on the customer data platform side, then. Not as far as I can tell. Um, it's it's really a almost it seems like more of a an initiative than a thing. Um, where where I think it'll guide R and D investment. It'll guide priorities, from what I can tell, into you know how sales or how customer service or teams or power platform is is you know features are prioritized or how 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 you prioritize different integration points so that you know if you're in a contact center scenario you need to bring in you know uh, telephony or you need to bring in data other data sources documentation or whatever you know uh, giving uh, partners a, a way to to plug those into something that Microsoft sort of over has over overall sort of vision around. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's it's a little hard to wrap your head around. Um, yeah. But it's you know so it's a these... little bit like the new Viva Sales then. So it's that's also new application on the Dynamics platform. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's another horizontal. You... Um, you know, different brand Viva versus 
versus digital contact center platform. But yeah, it's uh, whereas that's sort of a, a new interface for sellers um, that brings in CRM processes and data, but doesn't show you CRM. Um, I, th- I to me, I mean, I, I guess that's more specific because it does have specific interfaces that they've showed us. Right, here's what it looks mm-hmm. like in Teams. Here's what it looks like in I don't know in Outlook or whatever. Um, so at least it sort of has some specific. Uh, representations to it um but i have some thoughts about viva can i share them real quick i'm a little salty about viva for sales look i think it's a really cool offering but in the most recent dynamics 365 release notes dynamics for sales they had this awesome section of teams and outlook collaboration and i was so excited i blogged about it i put videos about it because i was like look at this there's new stuff for outlook and uh and then it disappeared and now there's a little a little box that says these features have been replaced by viva for sales click here for more well viva for sales is a premium right if i have my base dynamics for sales license 65 per user per month i think viva is another 60 dollars per user per month above that or maybe 40 off the check um 40 40. i think 40 dollars so now you're you're pricing out your base license. You might as well go for sales enterprise. Mm. I don't like those features that they told me would be included in Dynamics for Sales now require the higher license. That so, said, I'm excited about Viva for Sales. It looks really cool. I like that I could be in an Outlook or in Teams or even their video had um, you were in Excel and you can at tag something and it'll pull up information right in excel so it's across the whole m365 platform i uh the one of the things that makes me think of though i think i i raised this at some point was you know if if viva sales is for sellers um you know, I thought D365 sales was for sellers like i thought they'd really engineered <laughs> that in, interface to be for sellers um and i totally get it that they're trying something else um for for that role and making it role based, and it, to me that says okay, well that's that's sort of the next frontier of Viva is more role based interfaces or role based sort of um, capabilities that that kind of span whatever you know other tools they use. Um, but like, what's the next? What's the next role? And and you know this brings me back to the digital contact center platform or the supply chain platform, um, supply chain management platform that just got announced this week, which is really not CRM related, but um, you know, it's it's very much sort of like let's take these horizontal sort of scenarios or or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call them uh, needs and try to like show a really all inclusive vision for it um, that doesn't really care as much about a product, right? Because Viva Sales is sort of a product, but it's also like it lives inside of other uh, experiences. So yeah, I, right. it, and that just complicates everything, like you said, Heidi. Um, all of a sudden, like. <laughs> Great, great feature. Like I can, I can totally use this integrate this new part of the integration with Outlook. But like, well, that's now part of the vision for Viva Sales. So, where does that leave? Yeah. Where does that leave people? Um, I guess spending more money. Right. But the other thing that's interesting is that this is only available within Dynamics 365 or Salesforce. But you can't do like a power up and add Viva for Sales. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe they will, but it would be nice if uh, they incentivize people to use Dynamics CRM. It feels like they're they're disincentivizing people to go for the full CRM experience with all the power-up stuff that you... Yeah, it tells you a little where their sellers are at or where their sales strategy is at. They know that a lot of these big enterprise opportunities for them, for better or worse, they just don't include CR- Dynamics 365 CE. So they have to sort of 
play where they're you know uh sort of what's i don't know i'm trying to think of a good expression for it but they have to sort of what is it play it as it lies um Mm-hmm. In that, if that's if that's the kind of accounts they're going after, and Salesforce is is a key element of a lot of those, they they got to be there with something. Um, so I think that's one of those, and that's that also speaks to why you see so much with like Power Platform, SAP Connector. I mean, that's getting talked up a lot nowadays because um, it just went live, right? With the the more advanced connector based on um, some IP that Mike or a company Microsoft bought um, with SAP integration expertise. Um, so you've seen that I've seen that already in Power Automate. I saw it with a new announcement this week for Power Automate, um, the mine it uh, process mining capabilities that are now in preview. I mean, SAP was mentioned three times in that. I noticed, um, yeah. So. Those those big enterprise systems are a key part of what Microsoft's doing, and it does it's a, it just does sort of put you know a weird counterbalance on excitement over D three sixty five from from our perspectives anyway. Okay, I know I know everyone's more excited about power, but I still love Sarah. <laughs> yeah, so I I sort of not blame, but perhaps thank Steve Wardu and his rapid start CRM because I think those kinds of companies are really putting Microsoft sort of thinking, okay, so we did the power platform because people wanted to build apps easily and quickly, and then people did, yeah. So perhaps they didn't realize how um, good the platform was and then started competing. And then they started added, oh, you can't use this table over here and you can't do, use that table over there because that's limited. So, and then I think they sort of re thought that uh, so yeah we had to do something else so then yeah viva sales perhaps yeah i think there's a lot more of that to come though i think you're gonna see a lot more uh power app native power apps from isvs um given Mm -hmm. the the push to sort of protect ip and power platform and the new uh, marketplace push that microsoft is making i just can't imagine that they would try to hinder that too much um because it's all consumption when you get back to Power Platform, and, and Microsoft loves that. Um, with all, it's all Azure services below Dataverse and everything. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually that's one thing I'm very interested to see. I guess looking to 2023 is how much do ISVs step up and do more with, um, you know, with with Power Platform native solutions. I mean, I think um, Click Dimensions even just just announced something like that, right? For uh, for their new sales intelligence, um, and I think we'll see others. Yeah. Speaking about ISV solutions, we have other solutions here that we used to call industry accelerators that now called industry cloud, like the cloud for healthcare. We have automotive, energy, media and entertainment. Financial services. I'm trying to read through the list here. It's pretty long now. So uh, what do you think about these industry clouds, Jason? I I think um, they're interesting and they... Again, it, it they're sort of everything and nothing at once. A lot of the time, I feel like they they do uh, bring in a lot of technology from Microsoft and from partners. So it's a really interesting way that Microsoft sort of creates a little solidarity with their partners to to some extent, or, or creates kind of gets them to really commit. <laughs> I know, like for for you know nonprofit or for financial services, I mean partners put a lot of effort into helping define the data models that go into Dataverse um, for you know, for those industry data, industry data models and, the, and then even IP that they either shared or ha- are, are making sort of a prominent element of it. Um, I think really that what it comes down to, though, is how well those industry clouds perform. I mean, I haven't fo- followed all of them really closely, but um, a lot of them are, you know, 
again, you don't you don't need to kind of, I don't even know if they have licenses associated or if it's more of just sort of a commitment. You know what I mean? Like if it's just sort of a concept for Microsoft. So um, we'll have to see, you know, if they can claim any real real victories and make partners very happy to be sort of a part of it. Because, you know, any ISV that they're bringing in to be part of an industry cloud, that's an ISV that already has sort of a nice business and, and some real expertise doing industry stuff, just not using the Microsoft cloud for that industry. They're, they're finding other ways to, to be successful and to help, help their, their customers. So it's another one of those areas where, um, you know, if you show me some specific wins and specific sort of product roadmap, or I don't know, some, something like that, I, I'll become more of a believer in it. But I can, I can sort of see the, the from a you know, positioning standpoint, why they're doing that, just like they're doing, you know, cloud uh, contact center platform or supply chain management platform. I guess I can see both sides of it. I like the industry accelerators, which I know turn into clouds sometimes. Um, I've worked with some nonprofits or schools with very, very low budgets, like super small organizations. And it's so nice to be able to show them like the industry accelerator and say, here, this is this is free. This is included in your license and it's going to save you probably thousands of dollars in configuration costs that you'd otherwise need to hire a partner for. So it's, I think there's an awesome story there for the really, really small businesses to get started on their own. They're empowered to do a little bit more than what you get out of the box. Um, and I, I just think that's really neat. And I could share some really cool stories with Jason. I'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some good but ones. Small. In, yeah. I've seen some good ones in not-for-profit too. Um, that mm-hmm. sounds similar where, Smaller, smaller not-for-profits um, without a big IT team, they can take advantage of some of these templates and pre-built, uh, pre-built, you know, um, sort of XRM type of solutions, right? Is that what you're talking about? And Yeah, exactly. And sort of build the up, only build- problem, again, so I forget which one of you brought it up about like licensing and not understanding what's included. So these accelerators have all the bells and whistles and they make it real easy. Like, oh, don't you want a parent portal that everyone can log into? Oh, by the way. You know how much that is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Power BI dashboards and Canvas apps can steamroll quickly. Yeah. So I, I think some of them are, I understand why Microsoft is doing it because it's easier to sort of cooperate if the data model is the same for different uh, industry solutions. So so I get that and that's why they're doing it. But it sort of feels the same time that Perhaps they're competing with some of the knowledge that those partners brought in there. So um, have you heard of people getting upset because there are now industry solutions that are free to use? Well, I think it's a little, it's a sensitive topic for sure. I think um, I've, I've talked to ISVs that made the decision to kind of hand over their their IP to be part of it. And, you know, I don't know the deals that went on to, to make that happen, but I think they do it with the expectation. Maybe they, I don't know if they get money. Uh, sometimes I'm sure Microsoft licenses stuff, but I think there's also the expectation that they'll be brought in on deals um, with the global SIs that are probably the ones most likely to be using these clouds um, in any meaningful mm-hmm. way. They're the ones that are going to be bringing this to, to their uh, industry prospects and you know when they do if it includes you know some ISV capabilities that were that were included in it or something that those those vendors will then get pulled into these deals i think that's and, and i think you know as long as that happens everyone's happy 
Um, but I, if, if I think if people do feel they've been um, shortchanged or something and cut out of it, they'll, I'm sure they they'll be unhappy with it. But you know, um, it's it's one of those push and pull things in the partner channel that that everyone plays with. I I, I think. But yeah, I mean, it, just to just to add, I think you know, on top of the industry cloud, you also have industry executives at Microsoft now. So I think they're really they're really serious about making these things. You know. A, a, the 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 technology that backs up the the people that that can the executives that can talk to these talk to these industry uh, you know industry prospects and 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 show the world that they are serious about industry plays because you know they hear I'm sure they hear that from analysts I'm sure they hear that from um you know from their sellers as well I think that and the sellers are oriented that way too for a large part now at Microsoft so uh, it's part of a bigger I think it's part of a bigger push um, to to be that kind of industry. To, to be able to show that industry uh, knowledge and, and stance, um, and then you know the rest of it'll kind of work <laughs> work itself out, I guess, in terms of happier or unhappier partners. Yeah. Um, so I've heard the term maturity in context of uh, dynamics and power platform, mainly from uh, Manuela Pinchler from the uh, customer advisory team. So what does it mean for you? Well, when I think about maturity and terms of power platform I, I i think we've touched on this a little bit so uh you know without without repeating myself too much it's all about to me anyway the you know how advanced the the the, the platform can get and i'm trying to think if there was any particular example i had in mind for that but um yeah uh, just the fact that they keep that, that microsoft continues to sort of show well i think governance that we already talked about um and then you know the ability to do more complex things like working across regions, across countries, um, supporting more complex licensing licensing scenarios, um, perhaps portability there. Um, to me, those are the um, uh, portability with like Dataverse. I, I've heard more <clears throat> more updates on that. So like the ability to sort of work between Dataverse instances or, or corporate instances. So I think those are all the kind of challenges that kind of come next for for Power Platform um, to uh, I guess sell it to you know sell more more organizations on its on it being viable. Did you have anything else in mind? Have you heard about it, uh, Heidi? Not really, no. Oh, I, no. I guess the one other thing I would we already touched on this too, but you know, the idea of, you know, I think it's becoming very confusing <laughs> um trying to pick apart sort of when when is when is power platform the right approach for a, for a, pro, a business problem and when is a Dynamics 365 app um uh the the right answer. So I think that's just getting more and more confusing as Power Platform matures, um, which was maybe one thing I had in mind before we talked, because um, I sort of look across the landscape. I see all these Power Platform updates. I see, you know, release waves for for the CE apps. And to me, you know, as someone who, and I imagine as someone who is a Microsoft customer, it's got to be very tricky to know which, where to look, right? Do I, do I want to try to just embrace the latest capabilities in the apps I already have? Should I be thinking about, you know, the sort of inspirational, aspirational power platform story that the, that that team loves to tell, um, you know, in very dramatic ways sometimes, um, you know, what's right for my organization. And, and there's no one answer there, but it's like, where do you, you know, how do you focus? Do you become a team that's amazing at administering and, and managing a, a CRM system? Or do you become a team that's, you know, agile and, like tries to you know spin up amazing creative application like you know custom applications to suit your business and suit specific roles you know it's just there's no one way to do it and i just think as as power platform gets better and better um it just makes it even a more difficult 
difficult um uh difficult decision to make and and from my perspective trying to write about it and cover it it's tricky for me too it's like well which what's really important here like um mm-hmm. you know development updates are those important on power platform or um is a new a is a new you know ai builder capability that can be that can be added to custom apps a, a bigger deal than um you know then new productivity capabilities in, in sales um it just really makes things uh confusing um to some extent complicated yeah 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 i i think they go hand in hand now we don't do just crm every crm install has power platform extensions and we got lucky if you talk about the whole dynamics 365 umbrella crm is built on the power platform we didn't really have to change much we didn't have to learn new tech stack like the people at bc and fno they are learning something totally different because there's not built on the power platform so i think when we talk about crm or ce versus power it's both i mean they're they're better together right crm can be enhanced way beyond just sales and customer service and marketing now by leveraging aspects of the power platform and it's gotten so easy to even just like embed a canvas app page within my model driven app well crm is a model driven app so it's easy make a power bi dashboard when i'm configuring my my crm my ce app i can just select it from the list of dashboards so i think we're going to see more blurring of the lines and you're not really going to know you're using power platform as you continue to have these assets available right within crm so i think that's where it's going to go at least from ce perspective and i might be wrong it's my thoughts When I heard the term maturity models for the first time in the context of dynamics and power platform, I thought that like when I was in school and studied those ISO maturity models for the companies. So then you had like, okay, we have these processes, it's capability maturity models and so forth. So I thought that was kind of not so agile and we're moving more for a very long time more towards the agile so i think uh, to your point jason i i'm not sure if i sort of have wrapped my head around what this is but perhaps we will just have to get another try to get manuela in here and explain it to us so we actually understand this it's a funny i just would add one um observation, which was, I was at a, a Business Central focus con- conference last week, Directions EMEA, but I, and I've been to other Directions events in the past. This was, this one, and, and they've been talking about Power Platform for sure, you know, in past events. Um, but this one was so heavy on uh, making sure that every partner understood the the Power Platform integration component and CRM integration um, and the different options that, because those have really, I mean, matured, I think, because there's different, different integration options for 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 sales than there used to be um and then throw in like you know throw in teams and uh you know all of a sudden you have a very very different sort of list of considerations that these traditional nav business central partners have to have to think about when they're going to um to pitch to uh to prospects it's not microsoft doesn't want i don't think wants to see them just selling business central i'm sure they do but I mean, they they want that full story to be there, and I think it's almost like you know, if you're not going to be the partner to to give them that full that full vision, then another partner will give them that full vision. So, um, I think, and, and in that space in particular, with ERP focused vendor focused partners, they don't always think power platform, but I think in the future they 
one of the subtexts was you, you have to have people who either on your team who can do it or another partner you can turn to to augment um, on all, all your all your projects. And that was that was noticeable um, compared to compared to past past years of, of NAV and BC focused uh, events, I would say. That's interesting. The partner program for uh, Microsoft partners are changing. So silver and gold levels, I think, are going away and it's getting more difficult to become a partner at the the new one level. How do you see these changes? Yeah, they're important. They're, um, I mean, they're already out there in the world now, the MCPP, if I have that right. Um, I, maybe I can add a, um, a a link to one of our podcast episodes recently, where I talked to a couple of sure. um, a couple of uh, partner uh, representatives about their take on on what it meant, what the um, solution designations are all about, what the benefits are all about. Um, they, you know, actually, I did two episodes with them. One right after it was announced, uh, back in back around the Inspire timeframe, and in June, I think, and and then just a few weeks ago when it went live um, or just after it went live. And they were very encouraged by the, by Microsoft's efforts to improve it over that time to adjust sort of the way they do scoring so that um, partner benefits or partner scores are sort of a little more fair for enterprise versus SMB partner focused, focused partners. Um, And, uh, and, and the fact that they've extended a lot of the benefits from the old system, the silver and gold MPN system, you can keep those benefits if you kind of pay a fee, I think for, for the foreseeable future. Um, And in the meantime, they'll be adjusting sort of the way they do their scoring of, of in the new model, the MCPP model. Um, Yeah. uh, But yeah, I mean, if we go way back, it was very easy for Microsoft to just, well, here's the CD, you go and install it on your servers, go ahead, you can use it for test and development as long as you just host it yourself. Well, now they have actual costs for things that we have internal use rights for. So then it's getting trickier. So I I see why they're doing changes. It's just that, yeah, it's not always easy to agree with them, even if you say you can see the point that they're trying to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this has been something I've covered in various forums for 15 years now is is Microsoft continuing to sort of (laughs) change this their partner incentives to keep partners focused on selling. (laughs) I mean, that's that's the bottom line. They don't want anyone getting comfortable just having a services business. Um, where they just kind of have a roster of clients and they go in and do some customization or install a new ISV add-on. They want them out there selling new Microsoft licenses. And anything else, you know, you really don't have a, a serious place in the in the channel anymore. You certainly won't get all the benefits, um, like you said, especially internal use rights. So it's, all, I mean, that's, and they've made that pretty clear. Yeah. I, I guess to give them credit when they talk to the partners, that's that's pretty much what they're saying. Yeah. I think that and, and that the silver and gold they feel Microsoft feels anyway that it ran its course and it's not not viable anymore. If we look at the market uh, researchers and like companies like Forrester or Gartner, they place Microsoft next to Nick close and neck to neck with Salesforce in many of their analysis. Uh, yet Salesforce is the market leader for at least sales. How do you um, see this? From your point of view, it's always been an interesting comparison because I think you know clearly in the CRM side, Salesforce has a much bigger customer base. I mean, they they're a company really focused 
in large part on CRM where you look at Microsoft and they're just never going to be that kind of a company, right? Um, but, you know, Microsoft has always managed to impress analysts with sort of, you know, on in terms of CRM software evaluation with their vision and, and the sort of uh, pace at which they add capabilities and to keep up with Salesforce. But I think I've heard it said, and I, I tend to agree that, you know, Microsoft at some point, maybe in the James Phillips era, sort of made the decision consciously to stop trying to go sort of feature for feature with Salesforce and, and focus on its own vision. Um, and I, I think even the analyst firms seem to respect, respect that um, to, to a large extent because it's not, they certainly have not slowed down with, with CRM capabilities. I mean, they seem to shuffle the product team quite a bit. Like there's always people who I don't recognize their names on the CRM team, um, but they're also pumping out, like we talked about earlier, a lot of new features, a lot of updates that so many that, you know, for one person, it can be hard to keep up with. Um, so I, I, in, in terms of why they, I guess the other, um, the other angle on that to me is, you know, I mean, these analysts that things are all about companies looking to purchase CRM, right? So, um, Microsoft story around selling CRM these days is not the same as it, as I'm sure it's not the same as Salesforce's. It's maybe not the same as Microsoft's was a few, a few years back because power platform has completely, uh, changed their, uh, you know, their strategy or their messaging, um, from, I think, what, what it would have been in, in the past, uh, you know, just anecdotally hearing from from partners, you know, Microsoft expects that their that their CRM sort of sales pitch is going to be partly that you have this low code, no code platform uh, with which to do a whole lot more than just, you know, ha- work on these apps, uh, work on a specific sales app or a specific customer service app or field service. So um, I almost feel like they've diverged from Salesforce in, in, in a lot of ways. Um you know, I think Gartner and Forrester and others will continue to match them up and have them go head to head. But it's really, it feels much more, uh, it seems like they've kind of gone different directions for probably for the better for probably for both of them, honestly. Well, if you're going to compare something, you have to have boundaries of what you're comparing, right? So that's, that's in the nature of comparing things. So then you have to, well, we only compare CRM or sales or what we used to call Salesforce automation. So it's easier to work with. It's um, easier for salespeople to use this than what they've used with Excel or whatever. Um, So, yeah, so that's, I think they're not going to stop with this head to head from that point of view. No, I don't don't think, no, they're not going to stop. I mean, I think it's a something that that these analyst firms are known for and, and purchasers look at it. Yeah. And it's and it makes a good story, right? So there were competitors, and then one was in the lead, and the other one is yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love one loves a horse race, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so teams integrations and the the race of uh, Microsoft uh, Teams here. That's almost like the new OS from Microsoft. Uh, um, how does this play into what we talked about, uh, Dynamics and Power Platform? It's a great question i mean it's it's just everywhere in in the product roadmaps right um i think the product teams have a mandate to keep pushing that ahead um because like you said it's almost like a new os and as great as a d365 app might be it's not it's own to some extent it's only as good as its ability to sort of get teams engagement i think um at least in the long term so 
you, I think you'll just keep seeing the product teams adding more teams integration um, to, I think Viva, Viva sales probably had, which we talked about earlier, has a teams element to it. Right. Um, so you'll see, and then you see the other way you see teams in, in sales, right. You see teams in, yeah. in customer service, you use, you can go the other way and have sales or customer service in teams. You can power, power apps and team. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not going to stop. <laughs> that's, that's just going to be the way, the way of the future for Microsoft. And, uh, I saw some exciting or interesting stuff, uh, with business central, just cause that was on my mind from last week. We're putting that D365 stuff into teams. I, they haven't gone the other way yet with that, as far as I know, but, um, but yeah, it's just not, it's just, uh, a standard, uh, sort of element or I'm sure like any any release wave, you have to have a Teams element. You what what your next release wave is going to have, no matter which D three sixty five product yeah. you you're managing. That's my yeah. guess. I think it just keeps going towards blurring the. Mm -hmm. It's not going to matter which application you're in. You can get stuff done wherever you are. There's even AI stuff coming out in the release notes with Teams, like uh, call transcription and sentiment analysis, all kinds. Yeah, that's one of the coolest things I've seen on the CRM side is is the sales. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it. Sort of like the sales advi not advisor. You probably you, where the it's accelerator. Is that the it? Insights. Yeah. Where it's 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 listening in on the conversations and it's transcribing <laughs> them and trying to give sentiment analysis on the fly and suggesting next best next best uh, you know discussion points, all that stuff, right? I mean, yeah. it raises some suggestions questions. Suggestions in real time. <laughs> it raises it raises in questions video. about you know who's listening to what and all that, but. Uh, I mean, technolog technologically, it's, it's, yeah, it's nice. looks good. <laughs> it is yeah. nice, but I wonder how many users are going to just think it's Big Brother listening in, which is always the mm -hmm. complaint you get with CRM and user adoption. I've been on um, calls with salespeople where I like a, a Teams or a Zoom call, and I will see a little thing pop up in the bottom corner saying recording for, you know, some sales automation tool. And I'll be like, yeah. all right, well, I know that this is now being recorded and, you know, um, going to be fed back into there, oh, you know, you should mess with the AI next time, throw out negative words and positive words, make it go crazy. Yeah, like yeah. what's happening. <laughs> I'm extremely disappointed to tell you that this is a great product. <laughs> exactly. Or like say one thing and like hold up. I'd like to talk to your manager this is because I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> If Microsoft wants us to see that Dynamics marketing is top of the release notes, it's getting most of the p features from from what I can see. What's getting most of the buzz from your point of view, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I mean I don't think the D three sixty five apps themselves are getting that much of the buzz these days. Um, I think it's all it's all Power Platform, and uh, you know, to some extent, these sort of like horizontal platform things that that microsoft's doing for you know for for contact center and supply chain uh management and I, the reason i, I think that's because they bring in bigger groups of, of of microsoft uh you know people they, they bring in people from industry silos they bring in people from power from biz apps they bring in people from uh m365 <laughs> so i mean those are you know when when there's that many people who have a stake in it it's just going to get more buzz um now I think no the D three sixty five apps do do get pulled into that as well, um, and their Microsoft really needs them to both I think a because they do real business with it um, and and sell it and it it really contributes to the to the bottom line, but but also because they can't tell these stories without them, and and it's not that they're taking it for, for granted, but but that's uh, it, they just become foundational, 
I guess, uh, to the to the to the buzzier stuff. That's that yeah. I, maybe that's my take. What do you say, Heidi? What gets the most buzz from your point of view? When I'm looking at the release notes for the first time, I yeah, go to or, Power or Platform and I look at model-driven apps. I look at Power Apps and then I'm looking for what's new in model-driven apps. Exactly what Jason just said. The innovation seems to be happening there first, but it trickles down to Dynamics because there are model-driven apps. So I look at both. But yes, the 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 more exciting features, the bells and whistles seem to live in Power Apps and Power Automate too. Lots of cool stuff in Power Automate to help. So yeah, Power Platform, then check out what's happening in that. What do you think? I think that's interesting. And I don't really do the Canvas apps for me personally. So I, I of course, look at the model-driven and uh, then go through the, the sales customer service and look for features there. But I actually have a hard time getting excited about those features lately. It's like, well, we did this minor change here or there. I agree with you. And it's much more fun to do a power uh, project than to, for me, then like, okay, we've done sales like... I don't know how many times. So it's not that new and exciting, perhaps for me personally. I love uh, sales. That's my favorite thing to implement. It is. Every time it's exciting because everybody has business processes completely different. Anyway, that's another topic for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, so, I re forgot one other part of the power release notes that are super interesting, and that's Dataverse. They had so many nuggets in the Dataverse release notes, like PowerFX as a new column type. That's so cool. And that's only in the, the Dataverse release notes. So you really got to make sure you dig into all of the things that play nice with Dynamics 365 CRM. Yeah, and it's interesting to actually have Dataverse as a sort of label to have things in. So that's exciting yeah. just in it itself. Yeah, pulling more. Um, you mentioned how you don't really follow the Canvas side of Power Apps, and I, I I don't really either because it is sort of development developer focused. But um, you know, so many of the people who started over there, you know, started using SharePoint lists, or, or they 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 started with SharePoint themselves and built their Power Apps knowledge around SharePoint um, as a back end. And I think Dataverse is starting to make inroads to those people as well. So it just sort of speaks to the maybe the the growing importance of Dataverse um, more broadly for Power yeah. Apps. I don't know if I'm on base with on, on, if that's off base or not, but uh, but that seems to be like you said with so many so many improvements coming to Dataverse um, seems inevitable. So Jason, if people are uh, looking to hear more from you, do you have any public speaking scheduled? Public speaking? I don't have any public speaking scheduled. I'll keep doing my own podcast though, so you can listen to me there every uh, every couple of weeks. Um, I think I might be speaking at something in the spring. Well, I'll keep everyone updated on that. But that would probably be uh, in the May time frame. So I don't really, don't really have any anything specific to share yeah. there yet. Who would you like to listen to on the Dits podcast? Hmm. Um, I mean, the two people who come to mind are probably the two MVPs I've most recently, um, uh, two other MVPs I, I, I've hmm. most recently sort of talked to. Um, so one. Well, and actually, well, one of them is CRM focused, um, which is um, Asif Ramani. You know him. He's sort of, uh, yeah, he's, he's does some interesting stuff that's CRM focused. And then another um, another person I we recently profiled him was uh, Christian uh, Segurado, who's uh, he's not a CRM focused MVP. He's more focused on D three sixty five finance and SEM, but he does some really interesting stuff with mixed reality. 
um, and has some really cool demos. And, um, you know, so where I think the mixed reality stuff kind of crosses, crosses other applications, really found something to do there. Um, realistic. Yeah. So do you have any links to your self-promotion? Can, where can we uh, find this MS Dynamics world? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you mentioned it at the beginning. Our, our We do our work at msdynamicsworld.com, so you can check that out. Um, we also do some Azure coverage at mscloudnews.com. Um, that's where you can find find me most of the time at those those two sites. Uh, the dynamic stuff is MSDW. Yeah, and uh, if, if you're a member, hopefully you get, some, you get our newsletter. And um, if you're not, sign up. It's a great newsletter. If you're not signed up, Thanks. you should sign up. And if you have uh, an opinion and you want to write, you know, like I said, I'm the I'm the site editor, so I work with people all the time on publishing articles too, which I love. To- yeah, and since it's uh, this will be released on the 14th of December, I've actually took the time to uh, to get the the lights for my Christmas tree in oh, yeah. in the room here because it's not. This is recording in the middle of November, so the Christmas tree <laughs> isn't up yet. But uh, to everyone who's listening, thank you. Um, and thanks to you, Jason, for your participation in Sea Rocks. And hope you have a happy holidays and Merry Christmas, everyone, in like 10, 11 days. Happy It's holidays. been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And happy holidays. Yeah. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.